0: Living in the resurrection of Jesus should be a glorious experience for all of us, but we so often forget, don't we? And this living in Christ's resurrected life is about a life of gratitude, a life of praise. But it's not a technique, Uh, it's not a methodology, it's not a ritual. Um, Praise stems from a grateful heart. Praise actually is faith envisioning the new world. Let's explore further then, shall we, in this broadcast. Thank you for listening today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens, a broadcast on the good news of the gospel described in the book of Romans. We're in chapter 8 now, and chapter 8 is one of four chapters describing life in the kingdom of grace. Chapter 5 is freedom from the wrath of God because we are reconciled to his heart. Chapter 6 is freedom from the power of sin because we're now identified in Christ, the, uh, the guilt of sin, the condemnation of sin. Chapter 7 is freedom from the condemnation of the law. And chapter 8 is freedom from the power of death. So we're looking at this chapter 8 now. And I've been uh, talking for several days now on the uh, issue of praise, because remember what it says in verse 11 of this chapter. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. So, how about that life in our mortal bodies? Now, one of the things that we have to be careful of is that we simply praise out of a, a technique, a method. We speak it out, but we don't really uh, experience it. Now, careful though. Don't tell yourself, I must praise from my heart, because you may well often find that you don't have a spirit of joy or praise in your heart. No, we don't praise from the heart. We praise from faith. But faith knows something. Faith knows that Jesus has gained the victory over the forces of evil. Faith knows that we are reconciled to the heart of God, and God has reconciled himself to us. Faith knows that we're counted as righteous in Christ, and there's no condemnation for us. Faith knows that all things work together for good. These are truths that are based deeply in the gospel. You may wonder sometimes, well, I don't have a lot to praise God for. Well, one thing we need to do is to recognize that praise stems from gratitude as I mentioned the other day. And gratitude comes about, sometimes anyway, when we pause, when we sit down, when we close our eyes and ponder, ponder our life, and consider all the good things that have come to us. It takes time to do that, but as we ponder, we realize some good things have happened, many good things perhaps, and we begin to give thanks and we begin to praise. But another thing that we need to be aware of, and a major thing, is this, and I've of course alluded to it over the last several days. Praise does not necessarily mean that we're thanking God for all the good things. We are actually thanking God for many or all of the bad things. Because as I pointed out yesterday, you have maybe a half dozen uh, major tragedies in your life, and uh, when you think them through by faith, you realize that they have been ultimately blessings in disguise. Now, one thing I'd like to encourage you to do is to, if you haven't done it lately, and I do it maybe once a year or once every year and a half or so, is to read the story of Joseph. It begins in chapter 37 of uh, Genesis, then you skip chapter 38 because that's not about Joseph, then go to 39, right to the end of the book, uh, chapter 50. It's remarkable that a major portion of this book, a good third of it is all about the life of Joseph. And I think that's because God wanted to instruct us on how he works through evil circumstances, how he interjects his grace, how he intervenes to redirect the force of evil so that it does not break us, but so that good comes out of the awful circumstances of our lives now you remember the story of joseph i won't go into it in detail of course i'd like to but i do encourage you to read it joseph was a young man and he had these half brothers 11 of them and they hated him because joseph's father favored joseph he was the son of his old age and the son of his beloved wife and uh, his favorite wife And uh, he made a coat of many colors, you remember, and they were jealous of this. And one time when uh, when Joseph was told by his dad to go out and check on where the brothers were with the sheep, as he was coming towards them, they said, here comes this dreamer again, because he'd had a number of dreams that seemed to suggest that Joseph was in a very favored position and his brothers weren't. And they said, here comes this dreamer, let's, let's uh, kidnap him, let's take him, let's throw him in a pit. And they came up with all kinds of ideas before he got to where they were. They threw him in this pit. You remember the story. I'm already going into too much detail for the time allowed me on this broadcast. So uh, go into it yourself. He was carted off to Egypt, and uh, there he was sold uh, as uh, a slave. And Potiphar's uh, um, uh, uh, family or, or servants uh, bought him. He became a servant in Potiphar's house, who happened to be a cabinet minister in the house of in the court of Pharaoh, and uh, he became very famous. He was very much approved by uh, by Potiphar, but his wife got the hots for him because Joseph was a handsome young guy, and uh, she tried to seduce him. He would have none of it. She got so angry, she charged him with uh, falsely, and Potiphar, when he got home, heard about it and threw uh, Joseph into jail. For three years, that was, into the dungeons. And uh, he was pleading with others to let uh, to uh, get him out of there, but uh, nothing worked. And then some of Pharaoh's um, uh, courtiers were thrown into the the dungeon as well. They had dreams, uh, Joseph interpreted them for him, for them. And one of the men who survived the whole ordeal and was uh, restored to Pharaoh's court, um, was asked by Joseph to tell Pharaoh uh, to get me out of here. But uh, the Pharaoh, uh, that is, the courtier, forgot, and three years went by, and then Pharaoh himself had dreams. And then the courtier remembered, oh, yes, that guy interpreted my dreams when I was in in the dungeon. And so it came about that... uh, Joseph was called to the Pharaoh's court and he interpreted the dreams of Pharaoh and as a result was point- appointed prime minister of Egypt. Um, to gather grain for seven years because there was going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine, and you know the rest of the story. The whole family of uh, Egypt, the whole uh, nation of Egypt was saved from starvation, as, uh, and along with that, all of uh, Joseph's family and tribe from Canaan were brought into Egypt and saved. Now, the important thing about this story is how it is concluded. When Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, he says this, For God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Do not, therefore, be grieved or angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Now, wait a minute. Who sent Joseph ahead? Wasn't it the brothers who kidnapped him? But here Joseph states, this is chapter 45, verses 5 and 7 and 8, that it was God who sent him there and so what we have is a little conundrum that we have to work out in our faith mind and it's this how does how can it be that it's the story records the brothers sending joseph to egypt by kidnapping him and also that god sent him to egypt and the answer of course is that god interweaves his grace and power into the evil purposes of Satan and human beings to bring about his grace and salvation and rescue. Now that's a truth that is universal throughout Scripture, and it can be seen in the life of Christ also, of course, because the men who murdered Jesus, that event was God giving Christ as a sacrifice for the world. And so we see it once again in the greatest event of all, t- of all time, that the murder of the Son of God by human beings and Satan was also the gift of God to the world of his Son for the sacrifice for, of the, for the sins of the world. And so we have two wills going on in all events, and this is what you and I need to see in our own lives, because this is the foundation for gratitude and praise. When we see the trouble in our lives, we think Satan's been doing it, and people who've been unjust and cruel to us, we think they have been doing it. Yes, indeed they have. But God is so in charge of the powers of evil by the victory of Christ over the forces of evil at the cross that he can interweave his grace through the evil that men do and bring glory out of it for his own name, but also for us that our faith may be trained and that we may be drawn closer to God. So what do you think? Now take a new look at your life. Look at all the negatives and all the troubles and see God's hand in them and begin to lift up your heart. So you've heard me talk about Mark in Nigeria. Now let me assure you I know Mark. I've known him for 20 years. I have been to Africa a couple of times. Uh, met him in uh, Nigeria and Ghana. and. Mark is uh, now, I think, about 37, maybe. He has a little boy, Ayumide, uh, 10 years old. His wife, Mark's wife, died some eight years ago of pneumonia. And we were able to set up a uh, tailoring business for Mark. But as I've told you, there's this, there's this incredibly insane and stupid uh, policy in uh, Nigeria to uh, demand or to require a year's payment For electricity instead of monthly payments. Well, the average poor person can hardly manage that. We've helped Mark for two years, but this, I think, will be the last year. That year's electricity is eighteen hundred dollars. Uh, It will change next year because they're they're going to install this year, this coming year, uh, meters, uh, electricity meters, so that people can begin to pay on a, a monthly basis. Mark needs help for that. He's an honest man. He's a godly man. I know him to be very truthful, and if you can possibly help and support this project uh, of electricity for Mark, please do so. Send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160, or make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. Thank you for all your support. I'll see you next time. Cheerio and God bless.